HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by Nettle Meadow Farm Cheese and Spirits Pairing, taking place on Saturday, June 18th at Nettle Meadow Farm. For more information, visit NettleMeadowCheeseAndSpirits.com. That's N-E-T-T-L-E, MeadowCheeseAndSpirits.com. I'm Erin Fairbanks, host of The Farm Report. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Hello and welcome to Cutting the Curd, broadcasting on the Heritage Radio Network. This is Greg Blaze, and on today's show, we're celebrating an amazing milestone for Cutting the Curd founder and overlord, Ann Saxelby. That <laughs> <laughs> you just celebrated your 10-year anniversary of Saxelby Cheesemongers. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me on the show. Thanks for always for coming on the show, Ann. Um, uh, for those listeners who may never have heard of Saxelby Cheesemongers, there might be a couple of them out there. Um, can you give us an overview of what Saxelby Cheesemongers is, what you guys do? Sure, yeah. So we, uh, Saxelby Cheesemongers, uh, we, we bill ourselves as, um, oh gosh, what I don't even know our tagline anymore, purveyors of fine American farmstead cheese. And <laughs> we aim to be farmstead whenever possible in 100% honesty. You know, we, it's not all farmstead cheese, but we do work with uh, about 50 local producers at this point. Um, to bring um, really awesome American cheeses uh, to both retail consumers and now restaurants in New York City. Um, and we also, in 2011, added um, a line of French cheeses from Hervé Mons that is just for our wholesale customers. Um, so, uh, so, yeah, wholesale, retail, um, and that's, uh, that's about it. Yeah, it's actually Cheesemongers is an amazing little business. Um, I've known you since the beginning when we worked together in the Essex market. Me very, very briefly. Um, you're the first store in uh, first shop in America in the United States. I mean, in uh, New York City to focus solely on um, American cheese. And I imagine the landscape of American cheese has changed a lot in the ten years that you've been around. I think you're on the forefront of um, of helping to really jumpstart another revolution of liking American cheese. Yeah, well, it was really interesting. I mean, when I opened in 2006, I mean, my passion was kind of always, I mean, 
was cheese and then kind of like got dialed in more specifically to American cheese, um, largely, I guess for two reasons, because I was able to live up at Cato Corner Farm in Connecticut and intern with those guys for a little while after I graduated from college. Um, I lived up there for about six months and learned to make cheese and, um, and really, you know, learned about eating seasonally, learned about what it is to run a small farm and learned about like all the cool, weird, and I say this in the most like loving way possible, you know, awesome people out there who were kind of like bucking whatever trend to, to decide to make great artisan cheese. And I was just like, wow, like I love all this, all these cheeses. I love all the people behind these cheeses. Um, and so, uh, just kind of really fell in love with the whole movement and kind of just took it upon myself to start like going around and visiting people and learning from them and seeing how and why and what they did. Um, I found that, you know, offering to scrub cheese vats was often a good way to gain access for a day. You know, I'm like the trash. Yeah. I'm like, I'm good at dishes. I'm good at cleaning (laughs) and in a cheese plant that goes a long way. So, um, I was fortunate in that I got to visit some really great farms, um, and, uh, and just kind of educate myself about what was going on in American cheese. And, uh, so when I found my little stall in the Essex market, um, you know, thinking about opening a business, I was kind of like, Oh, you know, there's so many things that you could put that you could potentially do. But when I found this little hundred square foot stall, I was like, okay, this is a really perfect place for me to tie like to test drive this idea risk. of doing, you know, all American, because at that time, yeah, not qu- not quite as high profile as European cheeses. Um, oftentimes, much more expensive than European cheeses. I, that's kind of swung back and forth of, over the years as the euro has kind of gone up and down in value in relation to the dollar. But when I opened, um, American cheese was like very expensive um, and just a little bit more rarefied. Um, but it was. Uh, I feel like you know, in the end, that's what has differentiated us and what has kind of made us, made us special. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's amazing. And and kudos to you for like, you hung on a long time in the market. I mean, I was there in the Essex market, which is not what it was. It's not, it wasn't what it is now when Saxelby first opened. It was a different, different kind of place. Smelled different, looked different. (laughs) There was different, different, different business transactions were always going on in there. Some of a semi-legal or highly illegal nature. Um, (laughs) And I mean, I sold a Comte in there and people were like, what the hell is this? I mean, they they liked it when they tasted it, um, you know, and, and, you know, some of the vendors were, they were like, what are you doing here, dude? Like, we don't, we don't sell this kind of stuff, but like, were, were people into it right from the very, very beginning? I feel like, yeah, it is interesting. I mean, thinking about like, yeah, we both opened, I think you opened in 2006 too with Essex cheese in there, right? Yeah. And so, I mean, it's just so funny in 2006. So Essex. Um, us and then Formaggio Essex yeah, also opened right. because Daphne Zeppos had approached um, Isan and said, hey, you should open a, a cheese shop in here. So all of a sudden the Essex market went from being kind of, um, you know, you know, a little grungy, you know, public market, like mostly focused on like, you know, Hispanic produce and meat and some. Which like, was great. You could get like great goat meat in there and all kinds of stuff. But like the back corner kind of smelled kind of funky in there. there that was the tailor. Yeah. Yeah. He, was, yeah, he was, was, he was incontinent. He really was. Wow. I'm, so, I'm sorry, Mr. Smith. He was a nice guy, but definitely stinky. Um, but no. There was a lot of police activity around the bathrooms. Oh, you know? yeah. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Between the double doors, like, um, you know. Wow front of my shop i i became like the the vigilante like policewoman myself i would my uh when people so there's a methadone clinic across the street i think there might even be two 
And um, there are right upstairs from that McDonald's. Right. Yeah, they're. You know, very, I visit them all the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're not very well marked, but if you know where they are, where they're at. Um, no, but so people would go to the methadone clinic, and then they'd basically come to this little um, diner next to my shop, which is now Shopsons, but not, at the time was not Shopsons. And yeah, for, it used to be a cheap rice and beans joint. It was awesome. Uh, yeah, their food was great. It was called Montalvo um, Montalvo Luncheonette or something yeah, like that. I feel that. like they were open like three hours a day. <laughs> they're open three hours a day. They sold dollar cups of rice and beans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they served this crazy stew called sancocha that like everybody, yep, people good. would literally like line up for that stuff. And I tried it once or twice, but I mean, wow, that stuff was intense. There was all kinds of weird like organ meat. I think there was tripe in it, there was. which I was just, I'm not a tripe person. Um, I've, I'm, I like most things, but yeah. Anyways, the, the, the people I, I would, you know, there'd be like a sort of a peanut gallery that were half real customers of Montalvo and half people who were hanging out after the methadone stuff. And, um, you know, they'd kind of be like falling asleep and then waking up and then yelling at each other and then like talking really loudly because they all had like their earphones in, but, sure. you know, arguments and oh yeah, I was witness to all kinds of drama, but, um, yeah, those were good times. Those and were there good times. you were right there in the corner selling Strauss creamery butter and, uh, and good yogurt and eggs and, uh, cheese from, you know, Cato corner farm at $35 a pound and, uh, yep. and, and you lasted. So, I mean, you, you, you really, you really did great there. Well, I guess, yeah. So it's funny. I guess it's like easy to think of like the funny, ridiculous Essex market stories, but I feel like, you know, the other part of the neighborhood and kind of the city in general was just, you know, the neighborhood had kind of an interesting mix of like, you know, the Lower East Side has been gentrifying, you know, for it's forever, it's, but it's still very like diverse. And I feel like the people Quite. who live there when I opened the shop were, there was kind of this um, group of like artsy bohemian types who were like really into food and like, you know, maybe they didn't like make a lot of money like at their job, but like they, or they were like self-supporting artists, but like they really wanted to support good food and local business. And sure. so like those Absolutely. were our first customers, um, as well as I would call them like the food safarians, you know, like they yeah. would kind of on the weekends, people would go around to all their favorite shops and like, you know, check out what was new. And at that time, you know, nobody else really had a lot of the cheeses that we had. So, you know, it wasn't like you'd go to Whole Foods and buy a slice of Vermont Shepherd. No. Um, like you can now. So it was, uh, you know, sort of dedicated, you know, cheese nerds. Um, and again, in the best possible sense of the word. Um, so yeah, so it's kind of started with them and then, you know, chefs kind of started to come and, and, and ask around and say, Hey, like, Oh, Hey, could we get some cheese for our cheese plate? And, um, I always remember one of my favorite, like early days tastings was with this woman, Molly Kaplan, who was the cheese buyer for Gramercy Tavern at the time. She was so awesome, so nice. And she came down to the shop and I was like really excited, obviously, and flattered that Gramercy Tavern was interested in buying cheese from us. And so here, here are Molly and I sitting at the table, literally next to the Methodonians who were like kind of sleeping slash having the their Methodonians. lunch. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and we were like eating cheese and talking about it. And, um, and yeah, it was really funny. It was really funny. Well, but Gramercy, that's, that, that was a, I mean, they're like a venerable cheese board that um, has been around longer than a lot of the other restaurants. They had a cheese program, I, I want to say before. A lot of people that I knew of that had a cheese program, a real a real one, um, in restaurants in the, in the city. You know, um, now there are much more, and uh, you know, shops like Saks will be help that out because chefs are always looking for just little bits of cheese. You know, little bits of cheese, and um, I think you know any any place 
that any distributor is not going to not going to work with you like a like a shop like Saxilby does. And you were definitely on the you were on the cusp of a, of a big push of gentrification in the Lower East Side, which I saw um, partially while I was there, and then after I left the city for five years and came back, and the neighborhood was like unrecognizable to me. Um, but I mean, what what was your biggest challenge in getting them to purchase from you? Was it was it the was it the money? Was it the selection? What do you think it was? Um, you know, I don't know. I mean, I feel like uh, there were probably I'm like there were like all the challenges. I feel right. like I was just like, you know, I was just me though behind the counter, and I'm like very friendly and very persistent. And yeah. I feel like I would just like stand there and literally smile at every person that walked in the door. <laughs> and like, if they even like remotely made eye contact with me, I was like, Hey, you want to try some cheese? Sure. Like, come on over here. Sure. You know, you fed them. Um, it was very funny and like stark contrast to my business partner, Benoit, who's like very reserved in French. Um, and, uh, you know, I remember like elbowing him like in the ribs, like the first couple of days and just being like, Hey, no, you just gotta like, yeah, you just gotta like talk to people and like, you know, d- just, just like, yeah, like foist yourself upon them and ask them if they want a sample of something and blah, blah, blah. And, but literally that's kind of how it was. You just like, and, and again, that's like why I really love cheese in general. It's just like education through taste. People don't have to know about how cheese is made or what is, uh, you know, what are all the minutia that make it great. But you, just by tasting it, you can tell it's something special and awesome. So that we just kind of tried to educate through taste. Yeah. A simple, a simple process. I think, um, another thing that, um, that benefits Saxelby and, uh, and what will always benefit people who act such as you is that you, you came about in a time where there were lesser, there were not a lot of small cheese shops, you know? Um, and, so you dealt with people in a certain way that wasn't available to them through other businesses. You know what I mean? Sure. Um, or like at a larger, like Dean and DeLuca or like right. grocery, like a grocery store where there would be like maybe a lot of pre-wrap stuff and like a little right. bit of a cheese counter. But the, the interaction and the education isn't quite the same. Um, because, Not at all. Yeah. And you got in there when the rents were cheap, which is good, you know, uh, yeah. because the rents aren't cheap anymore. Yeah, no, they're they're certainly not as uh, not as reasonable as when as when I opened for sure. I feel like they're they're still probably more reasonable than opening up a storefront, you know, on the Lower East Side. But um, also because your square footage is so is so small. Yeah, it's a closet. But uh, exactly, a closet, phone booth, some tiny submarine. <laughs> but I was going to say another interesting thing about when we opened is that. Um, I think in the summer of 2006, that's also when The Omnivore's Dilemma came out by Michael Pollan. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like, you know, I feel like, I don't know, business is is hard work, but also like a little bit of luck and good timing. 100%. And um, so we were kind of at the crest of this wave of people kind of all of a sudden being like, whoa, like our food system is really messed up. Like, what's going on? Like, I want to feed myself better. I want to feed my kids better. You know, Omnivorous Lemma, I think that movie um, Food Inc. came out that same year. Um, And so I feel like because we were so focused on the local stuff and on the relationships with the producers and kind of knowing who made the cheese and and, and what went into it, that also um, was a big um, bonus for us starting. And then, so, so obviously, you know, you guys were successful because then you had to open up a storage facility, a cheese, a cheese cave of sorts, right? When did that, when did that come about? So that came about in 2000, we actually opened it in 2011, uh-huh. um, but we got the idea for it in 2009. Um, Benoit, my business partner and I were on a trip with Jason Hines of Neil's Yard Dairy. Um, we went to, we went to Bra, the big sure. slow food cheese festival that year. And, um, 
it was an awesome trip. We, we started off um, in France. Jason picked us up in France in his Volvo with the wheel on the wrong side. Yeah, that freaked me out. I've been in that car before. <laughs> and we drove through France, through Switzerland, to Italy for this conference, and then back through France to stay with Hervé um, at uh, his Cheese Caves for a bit, and then back to England. And then when we were in England, we went back to Niels Dairy, of course, and went to see Joe Schneider making Stitchelton. And um, so we were kind of observing, you know, all these business models um, along the way because we got to see, you know, yeah, Neil's yard and yeah, you Mons saw the arches, and you Corvero saw the, the and railroad cave and Mons. You saw you saw everything, right? Exactly, exactly. And so we we're kind of thinking, like, okay, well, we're outgrowing our little store, and like, what does the next phase look like? Um, and so. Well, we weren't quite at the point where we were ready to renovate an old railway tunnel and uh, <laughs> go all in like that. We're like, okay, we do need a, sm- a smallish, you know, warehouse where we can base our wholesale operation out of. So we opened our, our warehouse in Red Hook in 2011, and we do call it a cave, although that's like not quite true. We have we have a big we've we've got a very large walk in there, and there are no windows, so in that way, it is kind of <laughs> cave like. Um, but you know the next the next iteration hopefully um, we'll have more ability to actually age cheese, also. But um, I guess over the years we've seen the core of the business shift. Um, you know when we opened we were 100% retail and then probably 90% retail, 10% wholesale. Now we're 90% wholesale, 10% retail. So it's really kind of you know f- flipped. Yeah. Well, we're going to take a short break, and then when we come back, we're going to talk about the future of Saxby Cheesemongers. All right. Nettle Meadow Farm Cheese and Spirits Pairing is a celebration of good food and beverages in the newly restored Barn Loft event venue at Nettle Meadow Farm in Thurman, New York. On Saturday, June 18th, come sample and savor, then buy your favorite cheeses and beverages to take home. Nettle Meadow cheeses have been praised highly in national media and have won prestigious awards from the American Cheese Society. Taste samples of goat and sheep cheeses paired with an array of local regional wines, beers, and ciders. You'll never forget your first sample of rich, creamy Kunick, Nettle Meadows' trademark cheese. In Esquire, our very own Ann Saxelby said, Kunick, it may very well be the sexiest cheese in the USA. Nettle Meadow Farm is a goat and sheep dairy and cheese company in Thurman, New York, just below Crane Mountain in the Adirondacks between Gore Mountain, North Creek, and Warrensburg. It's owned and operated by Lorraine Limbiase and Sheila Flanagan. Both have a great love of animals, artisan cheese, and the unique challenges of farm life. Nettle Meadow Farm was originally founded in 1990, and it's the home of over 300 goats, dozens of sheep, and a variety of farm sanctuary animals. Again, the Cheese and Spirits pairing is Saturday, June 18th. For more information and tickets, visit NettleMeadowCheeseAndSpirits.com. That's N-E-T-T-L-E, MeadowCheeseAndSpirits.com. Welcome back to Cutting the Curd. And uh, as, it, as it stands, I forgot to mention something very important that was born out of Saxelby Cheesemongers, which is Cutting the Curd. Oh, yeah. So uh, 
something I personally am very happy about. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> um, so how did how did Saxelby cheesemongers make cutting the curd? How did that happen? Well, so that's um, that's a funny story. Uh, so we're sitting in this little radio uh, shipping container here at Roberta's. Best place on earth. Best place on earth. And um, so when I was, was – so Heritage Radio started in 2009. And um, – Patrick, my, who's now my husband, started Heritage Radio Network, and he started with just like a handful of shows. He basically called all of his friends and was like, hey, I'm going to start this radio <laughs> station great. in the back of Roberta's. Like, you should come do a show. So at that time, um, Zach Palaccio um, had a show called Urban Foragers or something like that. And so he had both myself and Rhonda Cave, who owns Ronnie Sue's Chocolates in the Essex Market, yeah. out to the... to. Um, they sell the bacon-covered... Chocolate covered bacon, right? Yes. Yeah, I'm not allowed to eat that anymore. Yeah. I, oh, I went so to a, a therapist to get me to, yeah. to remove the thought of that. Out of my mind. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll strike it from the record. Strike it from the record. I'm sorry to to put your therapy in uh, in relapse. No, but um, so we came uh, we came out here one afternoon. It was really funny because I remember it was a Wednesday, and it was like a really busy day at the shop because at that time we were doing wholesale and regular s- store stuff out of right the shop. Out of the little space. Yeah, and it was just like a nutty day and. Um, I remember being in the car with uh, Zach's girlfriend, Jory, and Rhonda, and I was like, why the hell am I coming out here? I was like, I'm so busy. I, I definitely can't do this. Um, but so then I was, and then I was like, and where the hell am I? Because at that time, I mean, sure. yeah, Bushwick, I mean, it's still very industrial, but like even more so back back then. Yeah. So you could actually be, get hurt around here. Yeah. 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 Totally. So we pulled up and I was just like, where are we going? What is this place? And we come in and we do the show and it was really fun. And of course, like I got not grumpy like immediately and I was like, this is so weird and cool. I love uh, it. And, um, Patrick, uh, just like happened to be coming by that day and he was like, Oh, he's like, well, you know, we really want to have a cheese show on, on the radio network. And I was like, yeah, right. Like thinking to myself, like, mm-hmm. like I definitely don't have time for that. And like, I'm an overcommitter and no way, Not you. but then what I said, of course was sure. Yeah. Let's go out for a beer and talk about it. And you know, so there, there I was, I wound up with a radio show and a husband, you know, nice. And now two kids. So, Sweet. you know, Sweet. yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, those two kids, I was a beneficiary of those two kids. Cause now you have no time so I can host this wonderful radio show. And now I know you've like totally taken this to the next <laughs> level, which is so awesome. Which is so awesome, but uh, many good things born out of Saxelby cheese. Many, many good things, and uh, that's that's an amazing little story. Um, uh, I I think I think that that's very cool. Yeah, and cutting the curd, it was so fun. I remember my my grandpa Ray really liked the name of the show. We were trying to come up with it's perfect with names, and he decided, yeah, he, he that was his uh, his favorite. So I went with his favorite, um, but. Uh, yeah, it was also like a really fun way to stay connected, as I'm sure you think, too. You know, it's like you, it you kind of keep educating yourself and you stay connected to the cheese community at large. And um, I learn and meet so many people um, either here or, you know, over the phone. But I, I think that the best part of, of for me of doing this is the learning that I get to do, you know, um, totally. It's just uh, talking to all the cheesemakers um, who you know, are, are busy, but then they take time to come on the show, you know, and, uh, and that's, that's a special, that's a special thing for me to be able to be a part of, you know? Yeah. Well, and I mean, how long have you been in the cheese business? For a long time. I, right. And <laughs> so I feel like you never, it's like, it, it's totally awesome and amazing that even though, you know, you've been doing it for however many years and I've been doing it since like 
for like 13 years since 2003 you know it's like you still like are learning so much all the time it's awesome well when, when you mentioned you know that yeah about the food system and, and knowing or becoming aware people becoming aware that the that what they eat, what they eat what they put in their bodies was being manipulated and and that there was a problem that needed to be fixed you know i i mean when i started i've been very lucky in the work that i've done because i've always been able to work for people and with people that don't advertise as much that they're helping that food system, but we do the work, you know, right. and, um, and like say, like, you know, it's hard to, when you take those jobs where you're really busy and you work all of the time, you sell a lot of cheese or you, you do that, sell a lot of food in general, you don't get a lot of time to pause and speak about what you do or, you know, or put it out there. And that cutting the curd definitely keeps me aware that, the job that we do as cheesemongers is important as because it helps us a little bit to change the food system in a positive way. And it keeps a way of life that we like, you know, going, you know what I mean? Keep, Absolutely. Keeps, uh, keeps the bad stuff at bay. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a lot of, of great stuff and a lot, a lot of, uh, a lot of pioneering, a lot of hard work, um, and interesting stories and, and here you are. You got 10 years. So then did you ever think you'd get to 10 years? I mean, I get, I guess, yeah. I mean, only because, like, I had no plan B, you know? <laughs> I was kind of like, well, this is the yep. only thing that I want to do. Like, yeah. if this doesn't work out, I'm going to be screwed. I'm going to yep. really have to, like, About go back 15 to... years into cheesemongery, I, I, that was my take on it. I was like, well... It's, there's no this there's, is it. there's nothing else for me in life i'm going to roll with this <laughs> exactly and no i've always like really idolized like certain like food businesses in new york like sahadi's on atlantic avenue sure. and russ and daughters, russ and, daughters and you know all these like real like these generational businesses um they just in you know shops ins sure. um you know my buddies who are now in the market um i've always like had a really like special place in my heart for these businesses that have just kind of persevered and made it happen and kind of just stick to their guns and like keep doing what they're doing, you know? And so I think from the beginning, that was my goal and kind of vision for Saxby Cheesemongers. It's great. And, and it's true. And it's funny because there's no grand plan, you know, in these food businesses. I don't care. I've been enough of them. And I re and you realize like when a larger element, like a large corporate element comes in, just fucks it all up because it just never becomes the same. But it's hard to, you know, you grow a family, they're going to work at the business. Like what, what makes it sustainable? We talk to cheese makers about that stuff on the show quite often, you know, and those, those businesses like Russ and Daughters, they rely on kids to be made, which you've, you've done that, you know, and, and just pushing through a lot of BS and a lot of hard work, you know what I mean? And, and like having, I don't know. And then having the, the kind of, um, gumption and just like courage to take it to another era. Cause yeah. Russ and daughters now, I mean, it's just so cool to see what they're doing. Like they've opened up at the Jewish museum, yeah. they're opening up a commissary in the Navy yard and they're really taking what was you know, a push cart. It's a fish stand. Yeah. It was a push cart, a fish stand on the Lower East Side that then grew up into a venerable storefront, which yep. then, you know, grew up into into this kind of next phase, and it's just so cool. Well, they they're they're smart because their products are good, and they're still they they've reached iconic status. So they represent their city, 
Um, they represent the things that they sell and the people that that come from. That's why they can go to the museum and people understand that why they're there. You right. know, that's and, true. And while they'll do well, and um, and and you know, hopefully you'll be able to do that too. And so, what's the next step for Saxilby Cheesemongers? Uh, you said that now your your business is about is a uh, is swung the other way. You do little retail, a lot of wholesale. What's yeah. going to happen next? So, well, I guess, you know, for us, the next thing is kind of thinking about two things. Um, The first is the, uh, well, I guess they're kind of both going to happen around the same time, but um, the Essex market is going to move into a new home in 2018, which is really exciting. Um, We're, you know, I've kind of like gone through like all the phases with it, like anger, denial, (laughs) rejection, like frustration. Acceptance? You had acceptance yet? I think I'm at acceptance. Yeah. Because, you know, it's just... I think there are certainly things that can be bettered and changed about the market. And, you know, I've been kind of, you know, working on that as, as like another job uh, with, the, with the other vendors. Um, but, you know, so the market's going to move across the street into a new home in 2018. Basically, I feel like the market is really special, but right now um, it's just not as visible publicly. Like literally the building looks like a crazy shed that could be like a prison, you know? Yeah. And it takes a very kind of intrepid person to like figure out what's in there and go inside and... When I first walked by that building in 1997, it says Essex Street Retail Market, and someone had removed the, some of the signs at that time, and it said Sex Street Tail Market. <laughs> and I'm sure that's exactly some of the trade that was being applied inside. <laughs> oh, my God. So, yeah, but, you know, it's going to be this, like, brand new facility. Um, there's this whole redevelopment happening on the Lower East Side. All those empty parking lots on yeah. the south side of Delancey Street are going to be redeveloped. And it was, you know, of course, with any development comes um, contention within the community and people don't like developers and blah, blah, blah. Sure. But I think that the, um, the community really reached a good kind of um, balance of um, things that developers want and things that the community wants with this whole thing. So the Essex market is basically going to be the cornerstone of this whole new project. That's fantastic. And, um, and you've been it's, a part of that, right? You created something else. You created an association of vendors in the Lower East Side, or you were a part of that, correct? Yep, yep. And I'm the chairperson of the Essex Market Vendor Association. That's great. So that's like another hat. Um, but uh, yeah, we felt that you know the vendors you don't the, sleep much, do you? Yeah, <laughs> not as much as not as much as I'd like to, but it's okay. It's okay. I'll catch up. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. But the, so it's going to be, you know, the vendors in the market like needed a voice and needed a place in this new sure. development. And so because of our involvement and um, and the city wanted to keep the market and the community wanted to keep the market. So it's going to be beautiful. It's going to be, um, you know, this big glass building. You know, I know people have problems with big glass buildings, but for someone who doesn't have, you know, it's like a brick shed right who now. Who are these people? Well, you know, people in general. I feel like whenever you see a new glass tower go up in New York City, it's the first thing everybody wants to shit on, you know? Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Yeah. But for me, I'm excited because I'm like, oh, my God, people are going to walk by the market and they're going to be able to see what's inside, which is going to be awesome. Um, New Yorkers are really oddly, and in my long time here, very oddly territorial about, like, like just about everything, even though half of us, I would say most of us that I know weren't born here. You know what I mean? We live here for, for a fluctuating amount of time, but like total shit neighborhoods will be out there and people are like, someone will knock down something that has nothing. There's nothing there. It's garbage. It's blight. And then they're going to put up something. Everybody's like, oh, there goes the neighborhood. And I'm just like, yeah, they're going to move that trash pile. That's going to suck for everybody. But I mean, totally. <laughs> or, yeah. In the case of the market, it's like we're going to build on these empty lots that were raised by Robert Moses in yeah. 1967 yeah. to build like affordable housing and get and never got done. So, yeah. 
Yeah, no, it's a whole other can of worms. But Mark Israel, the owner of the donut plant, I, he has oh, my favorite yeah. quote on this issue because he was like, in New York, he's like, history starts from the moment you moved into the neighborhood. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and no I think mark. it's so funny because it's totally true. You know, people have a real sense of ownership. But um, his business grew out of there, too. I remember yeah, buying donuts from him Street. when he would deliver them to Dean and DeLuca in his bicycle. Like and they were like he had like three flavors or something like that or four flavors. He's awesome. Um, anyway, I'm sorry. So so you're going to move into the new. So building. we're going to move into the new building. And I want to stress to all of our listeners and everybody out there that the market is not closing in between now and then. It's going to be open for business. They're going to build the new building when it's ready. They're going to move everyone over in the span of a few days. Um, so um, that's that's great. We're not going to have to be closed. Um, the market will just kind of continue. And uh, our space is going to be bigger. Um, I think that's going to help your retail business grow? Yeah, I think the, the market's going to be a real destination, and we're excited to kind of be a part of that. So that's exciting. And then in the next couple of years, we're going to um, move to a larger cheese cave that will be more of an actual cave where we can do some uh, aging and things. Sure. Um, and grow the wholesale and mail order business as well, because we do a tiny, teeny bit of mail order, but that's something that we want to do more of. So. You, now, so that's I – mean, that, and those are a big, those are a big deal. I mean, for, for a small business uh, managing those those areas. How many employees do you have now? Right now we have five. Five wow. full-time That's employees. not a lot of employees. It's not a lot of employees. Yeah, yeah. We're and is very... that a lot? Is that a lot for you? Is that No, like... no, no. God, I wish we had – well, I wish we had more, but, you know, then we're kind of like, okay, well, we want – everyone have a job to do of right. course and we want and of course as any organization grows it becomes more kind of complex and yeah complicated and challenging so five seems to be you know like lean and mean very lean and mean right now but i think we're poised to to grow a bit more over these next couple of years and get some more folks on board when you started so you 10 years you have five employees go 10 years how, how many employees would you say roughly you have lost in 10 years Lost? No, not lost, but have grown. Like, how many people have come through Saxelby Cheesemongers in 10 years? Oh, my gosh. Well, let's see. Veronica Pedraza was our first full-time employee. She is now cheesemaker at Meadowwood Farm. Yeah. Um, Katrina Razzinale was our, I think, second full-time employee. And she uh, is now at Jasper Hill Farm doing their mail order. Um, And... Uh, let's see. We've we've had a, we've had a number of of people. Yeah, I feel like the lifespan of like someone who's working in retail and like kind of a cheesemonger or managerial position, it's only so long. When you're in, and especially if you're in a small company where you know there's someone not like told me that. ten jobs to grow right, into. Right, right, you know. Right. Um, so, but but that said, I feel like we've had a lot of really awesome people, and we've gotten to educate a lot of great right. people, and it's been cool to see what they've done afterwards. Yeah, when, when you have a business that's that small, but it reaches that many people, everybody's got to do everything, and they learn a lot. That's yes. what I, that's what I've realized Definitely. Um, from working in businesses that are that small. Now I'm in a business that's larger, different challenges, but it's the same thing. You know, you still have to do, <clears throat> you got to do everything, and and you lose people, but it's great to see them grow, right? Yeah, and in New York, I feel like the cheese community is still like a small and close knit one. You know, so you wind up, you know, keeping in touch, which is cool. That's amazing. Well, thanks so much, Anne, for coming on, and thank you for everything you do and have done for our industry. And here's for the next 10 years to many more episodes of Cutting the Curd, your brainchild that has brought so much to my life personally and professionally. Thank you very much, and uh, tune in next week for more Cutting the Curd. Thank you, Greg. Ciao. Ciao.
Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.